Early Risers is supported by Health Partners and Park Nicollet. From rashes, fevers, shots, and all other things that make you worry a lot, Health Partners has pediatric care for your kids. Visit healthpartners.com slash schedule. From Little Moments Count and Minnesota Public Radio, this is Early Risers, waking up to racial equity in early childhood. I'm your host, Diane Halsey. This podcast is about how to talk with very young children about race and racism and how to celebrate cultural differences. Last month, my son graduated from high school. I cannot believe that my firstborn will be heading off to college this fall. He decided to go to a historically Black college, just like I did when I was his age. I am a proud graduate of Spelman College, a historically Black women's college in Atlanta, Georgia. I grew up in Minnesota in the 1970s and 80s. The majority of my classmates were white, and so were most of the people in TV and movies. When I got to Spelman, for the first time, I was in an environment that assumed that I would excel. I did not even know I had been missing that. I felt affirmed and seen as a young Black woman, and that truly changed my life. I wish I had this experience earlier on. For instance, even though no one in my family said anything negative to me about my skin color when I was a child, I still picked up subtle verbal and nonverbal cues from the environment that it was better to be white and to have straight hair. I had to go through a painful process of unlearning those harmful messages. A lot of years have passed since I was a college student. And what I've come to know, both as a parent and as an early childhood professional, is that we need to be intentional about helping children, especially children of color, to develop a strong foundation of positive self-esteem and ego strength. This is something I talk about a lot on Early Risers. This is important so that children of color do not internalize racist messages and begin to think something is wrong with them. But where should parents begin? One of the first things we do is encourage parents to ask their kids, what do they think about their skin color? It's a simple question. What do they like about it? We're not asking them what they don't like. We're asking them what do they like about it because we want them to like what their skin color looks like. That's Dr. Aisha White. She runs a program called Positive Racial Identity Development in Early Education, or PRIDE for short. It's based at the University of Pittsburgh's School of Education. The program uses art, teacher training, parent education, and community events to build up that ego strength in Black children. It's a way of countering the anti-Black racism that has a long history in this country, with roots in the transatlantic slave trade and the Jim Crow era that followed, and continues to impact us today. So you are the director of a program called Pride, which I want to talk about. Um, But this program called Pride really focuses on positive racial identity in young children. And so I want to know, like, how do you define positive racial identity? And how do you know when a young child has it? 
Yeah, it's really hard to identify when a young child has it. It's easier to identify when a young child doesn't have it. And so what it means to have a positive racial identity, it means that you, first of all, understand what your race is. You need to also feel good about the fact that you are a particular race. And you need to understand some of the reasons that you feel good about that you are a certain race, as well as more individual things like feeling good about your own skin color, about uh-huh. your hair texture, your facial features. So it has to do with sort of uh, having positive individual feelings and also having positive attitudes about your race more broadly. So feeling good about being in a family of Black people, for example, feeling good about being a part of the larger family of all Black people throughout the diaspora. Mm-hmm. So tell me, how can you tell when a child does not have positive racial identity then? Yeah, so you can notice certain things in children. And I'll give the example of my grandson. So if you feel good about your race and you feel good about skin color, and in particular, dark skin color, which is part of feeling good about your race, Uh then you won't suffer from colorism. And colorism Uh is a negative attitude towards people who have dark skin. Uh And the example that I'll give of my grandson is... When I had first started the pride work, I would use my grandkids as guinea pigs. And so I brought a book called um, Shades of People Home, and I opened the book up and asked my grandson to pick the person in the book whose face he liked the most. Uh And he picked a very, very pale white girl with beautiful blue eyes and very, very dark black hair. After he picked that picture, I said, okay, so let's look through the book and see if there's anybody else whose face you like. Okay. And we went through some pages and we came to a full page spread of a young African-American girl. She must have been maybe three or four years old. She was chubby, maybe around your complexion. And uh-huh. uh, since we're on the radio, you are sort of darkish brown skin. Uh-huh. And she had a big dimple in her cheek. And I pointed at her and I said... His name is Nolan. And I said, Nolan, what about her? And he said, she's too dark. Mm. And I thought I was going to die. I didn't uh. know what to do. I was in shock. I did have the presence of mind to not show any anger or surprise on my face or in my um, body language. And so we just kept turning the pages. And then it sat on me and sat on me. And I said, oh my God, what am I going to do about this? My grandson suffers from colorism. He's only, he was only six years old at the time. Mm -hmm. And so he has an older brother and they would all come over to my house sometimes on the weekend. And my plan was to use his older brother as as an example of how wrong it is to say somebody's too dark Uh without using those words. And so his older brother's name is Sundiata. We were looking at the book and I said, Nolan, do you remember when we were looking at this book? Yep. Very calm about it. Do you remember whose face you said you liked the most? He went right to the page and showed me. Do you remember what you said about this little girl? And he said, yep, I said she's too dark. And I called Sundiata over who's very dark, darker than the girl. And I said, Sundi, put your arm next to her face. And he put his arm next to her face. And I said, your brother's darker than her. And my grandson didn't say a word. He just looked at me. And thought for a moment and a smile appeared on his face. 
And that was the uh-huh. end of the conversation. I was uh, so upset about that that I actually wrote an article for a local publication about my reaction to it. <laughs> I described it as yeah. feeling like my whole body just was going to melt because I did not expect to hear that from my grandson. Parent education is a core part of Dr. White's work with the Pride program. That happens through something called the Parent Village. Dr. White explained what happens in the Parent Village, as well as how she prepares Black parents to talk with their children about their racial identity. What we thought was, if having a positive uh, racial identity is so important to young children's, first of all, healthy development, but secondly, You know, in our travels, we learned about all the other benefits that come from having a positive racial identity. Things like better test scores, higher GPA, improved self-esteem, increased resilience, you name it. You know, lots Uh and lots of benefits. Uh And so we said, if that's the case, where are the programs that are helping people to help children to develop a positive racial identity? We conducted four different focus groups with parents and asked them a series of questions. One of those questions was, you know, what do you need as parents? And one of the parents said, we need a whole village, you know, to help our kids (laughs) to feel good about themselves. And so we came up with the title Parent Village. And so it's designed to meet with parents six times. And so what we did was we came up with these six topic areas. One is skin color. So it's called Happy in My Skin. A second is hair. It's black hair, beautiful hair. A third is helping children to deal with racial bullying. Racial bullying happens every day in schools, Uh very often uh black-on-black racial bullying. Uh And it's called Using Words and Working Together. We have a module where we focus on helping parents learn about Africa because what we learned from our focus groups was parents didn't learn anything about Africa, very Uh little about African-American history. You know, when you think about Jim Crow, Jim Crow existed almost 90 years and Uh, During that era, there was this sort of accepted dehumanization and um, ridiculing of Black people, the way they looked, the things they did. And so what we're trying to do through this program is counter that. And what we've learned is that while some parents are able to have these conversations with their children and encourage them um, in ways that support their positive racial identity. Many parents are not doing it. Some of them don't know how to start. They don't know what the resources are. So Uh over the course of that six uh, weeks of sessions, they learn lots of different ways that they can talk to their children, but they also get things like activities they can do and they get picture books that they can read. So that's how we do, do that with parents. In your trainings, what are some of the things you you might be coaching parents to talk to young children about or, or questions to ask them? What are what are some of the conversations um, that you're encouraging parents to have with their children about race? One of the first things we do is encourage parents to ask their kids, what do they think about their skin color? It's a simple question. How would they describe their skin color? What do they like about it? We're not asking them what they don't like. We're asking them what what do they like about it because we want them to like what their skin color looks like. And then engaging Uh them in an activity where they uh, outline their hand and find some uh, flesh color crayons or markers and mix together colors to, you know, draw what their hand would look like and then assigning a fun label to it. So something like caramel or chocolate or Uh cinnamon. Uh, And so we're asking them, 
to find out from their children what their ideas or attitudes are towards themselves. Another thing that we do is, and this uh, came from my coworker who used to do this with her son. She used to ask him a series of questions on the ride home from school, and it would sort of get at whether there had been any kind of racialized experiences at school without directly asking that question. So asking Mm -hmm. questions like, how was your day today? They always say, fine. Um, Did anybody say anything to make you sad? Did anybody say anything to make you happy? Anybody say anything about the way you look? How about your clothes? How about your hair? If you could describe your teacher using the weather, was she sunny today or rainy today? Or was she stormy today? You know, because teachers sometimes Mm -hmm. yell. And then did you say anything to make somebody feel good? Did you say anything to make somebody feel bad? So one of the things I think I'm hearing from you is in order to help young children have that positive racial identity, it's important for parents, caregivers, and adults to have a positive racial identity themselves. Even if they don't have a positive racial identity, they need to know where they stand with regards to race and what their Uh experiences have been with regards to race. And Uh so they can use those to better understand themselves. And maybe Uh in that process, it becomes more clear to them why they haven't had conversations with their children. If their parents didn't talk to them about it, then they don't have anything sort of like a, a framework or, you know, some of the roots that they need to begin to have those conversations with children. But then they need to reflect even more and say, OK, well, even though they didn't, I'm an adult. I know that race exists. Why am I still not having these conversations with my child and exploring all of that to better understand where they are? Because that's going to affect how they enter into those conversations with their children. a video testimonial from a parent named Tanisha, who participated in the Parent Village program. In this clip, she offers a message of affirmation to her three daughters. I want to let you know you are three beautiful Black children, and that you can do anything in the world that you put your mind to. I want to let you know that each of you have three different skin tones, but you are an African-American Black woman, and that you should be happy about your curly hair, your fuzzy hair, your dreadlocks, your thickness of your hair, your eyes, your nose, and your skin tone, because you are perfectly made through God and your perfect little girls. And I want you to tell the world how you're proud to be Black. Your program focuses on African-American children and families. And I just wanted to know, like, do these same principles and approaches to positive racial identity development apply to working with Latinx, Indigenous, Asian, and other children of color and their families? Yeah, so that's a good question. I don't know that I can really fully answer that question uh, because we have been limited to our learning and our conversations and our research specifically on uh, Black children, so children from Uh throughout the diaspora who identify as Black But what I do know is that there is research out there that shows similar things, that there is a great need for all children of color to have a positive racial identity, to learn about their history and their roots, and that there are benefits to them actually gaining that information and having that positive racial identity. 
I'm Diane Halsey, and you're listening to Early Risers, Waking Up to Racial Equity in Early Childhood. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Aisha White. She directs a program called Positive Racial Identity Development and Early Education. It's based at the University of Pittsburgh. Dr. White also has a long history working in children's media. She ran educational workshops for the production company that created Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And today, she serves as an advisor on the show Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. A few years ago, she was a consultant on a program called PBS Kids Talk About Race and Racism. I often recommend this program when people are looking for resources on how to talk to young children about race. Welcome, everyone. Let's get started by introducing ourselves. Hi, my name is Destiny. I'm Lila. Hi, my name is Rashad. And today I'm here to have a conversation with my dad. I'm going to talk to mommy about race. Race and racism. I have to say, as I was um, initially doing research around how to talk with young children about race, I stumbled upon a PBS special um, about talking to young children about race. And I understand that you were actually a consultant. And can you talk a little bit about how that special came to be and what was the purpose of it? Yes, I believe the special came to be because of the murder of George Floyd. So after the Mm -hmm. murder of George Floyd, just about everybody in every sphere came to the realization, some of them unfortunately temporarily, that they Uh really needed to do more than they were doing in terms of talking to people about race in their staff and actually doing work that would change the messages that they shared with their audiences, whoever those audiences might be. And so PBS Kids Talk About was a series that already existed, and they decided that they wanted to add a special and focus on PBS Kids Talk About Race. And that segment actually won an Emmy And it was so well done uh, because they did a lot of the really important uh, front end work coming up with, you know, what the series would look like, how they would begin the conversation, what it would lead to. And so they had really good sense in focusing first on helping very young children understand the importance of noticing. Let's look at our skin color. Okay. What do you find that's different? Mommy's skin is like a peach. Mm-hmm. Daddy's skin color is brown. Yeah. My skin is like light brown. My skin color is like a peach. And then as children get a little bit older, being able to talk about race specifically, and then for even older children, helping them understand how they can be upstanders and, and make a change. We do talk about racism while we're eating dinner. That's true. And sometimes those conversations are not always fun and sometimes they make us sad. But why do you think we have those conversations? We should be learning about what's happening because then we can do something about it. That's right. There's the little things that everybody can do to stand up, to take Dr. White also does training with early childhood educators. She talked to me about that work and how she dispels the assumption that children are colorblind and why that idea persists. When we first started doing trainings, Uh one of the questions that we would ask educators is, do young children see race? 
yes or no. Uh And we would typically get yes answers from most people. But inevitably, there might be one person in the audience who would say no. And I, I would be really glad that that person was honest about what they believed. And their answer just indicated that they believe that children are colorblind. Now, having said that word, what still exists in the early education um, profession is a propensity towards colorblind attitudes, towards saying that children play with each other freely, they hug each other, they engage in activities with each other, they might argue with each other, and none of that has anything to do with race. And so what Uh we're trying to do is completely dispel that. And so that's sometimes what we would see in conversations with people is that they believe, you know, and a lot of that comes from what people want to see and not necessarily them being able to or even being inclined to dig deeper. Uh, You know, one of the typical examples is a young African-American boy, young white boy running towards each other, hugging each other Uh and people saying, see, they don't see color. (laughs) Well, they see color. And they like each other. And those two things are not mutually (laughs) exclusive. And so what people want to say is that they don't see it because they don't want children to see it. They don't want children to be impacted by race, to um, develop racialized attitudes. But, you know, the fact that you don't want them to means nothing (laughs) because they're in a racialized society and those ideas develop. Why do you think it's so hard for some people to believe that, to believe that children are, are seeing race? And that they, you know, even at a young age, that they are actually having racialized experiences. Well, part of it, I think, is the fact that there has been such an absence of a conversation about that in the early education profession for a long time, with the exception of some people who've done really incredible work, like Louise Derman Sparks, who created Uh the anti-bias curriculum back in the 90s. Um, You know, so that's a long time. That's over 30 years. But there's been, uh, I think it's been kind of overwhelmed by this absence of conversation about it. And so in the absence of conversation about it, then people don't know. And so since they don't know, you have to actually tell them and you can't just tell them. You have to keep telling them over and over again. Um, I just completed two trainings this week with a local organization. And one of the teachers, uh, African-American teacher, actually Uh she's Afro-Caribbean. She clearly said to us, I don't have any inclination to talk about race in the classroom with children. If it comes up, then I'll have that conversation, but I'm not inclined to do that. And I was furious, but again, I had to (laughs) control my emotions. And I gently said to her, well, you know, I'm going to have to push back on that just a little bit because the Uh research shows us that children are thinking about these things even if they don't say anything to you about That's it. That's right. You don't have to actually see it for it to be happening. Dr. Aisha White is Program Director of Positive Racial Identity Development in Early Education. It's based at the University of Pittsburgh's School of Education. We've posted links to some of the articles and resources that Dr. White mentioned in our conversation, including the essay she wrote about colorism and her six-year-old grandson, as well as a link to the Emmy Award-winning PBS Kids Talk About Race and Racism. 
Look for those links on our website, along with a discussion guide for this episode. We're at npr.org backslash early risers. While you're there, you can listen to all of our past episodes and subscribe to this podcast. We're on social media. Follow us at Podcast Early on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And for more tips and resources on how to talk with young children about race and racism, visit littlemomentscount.org. Early Risers is hosted by me, Diane Halsey. Our executive producer is Andrea Borg. Our senior producer is Nancy Rosenbaum. Katie DeSell is our social media manager. Sound mixing by Rachel Breeze. Kaviesh Kavaraj composed our theme song, I Still Remember. As always, a special thanks to the whole team at Little Moments Count and Minnesota Public Radio. Thanks for listening.